Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the dough, where Cash is queen and we hardly know her, but we're still here figuring her out together because y'all, season two is here. Hosted every week by me, X Maya. Remember me? I'm going to be talking to all types of people about their relationship to money. I'm talking to reality stars, entrepreneurs, financial experts, and even some of my own friends. Basically, anyone who will get real with me about their dollars, how they make money, how they spend it, and how they save it. Because I'm trying to retire early, people. Season two of The Dough is out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Lemonada. I'm Kiki Monique, and this is I'm Sorry, a podcast about apologies. And this week, um, as summer is quickly approaching, I'm deep in the throes of trying to figure out how to get rid of strawberry skin. And any person who shaves their legs knows what I mean. This is Mohanad Al Sheikhi, and I'm so happy that it is finally uh, sunny in New York City. It's no longer raining like we're in London or something. Uh, speaking of London, Queen Elizabeth. When are we going to see her? Is she dead? I think she is. Every single week. <laughs> I I don't know why I get surprised. What is, there's something wrong with me. It's pathological that I am surprised by this at this point, right? There's something wrong. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and my name is Oha Lopez. And this week I wrote a song with an 11-year-old. And it was a wonderful experience. It was essentially about a dog named Wishbone who got lost and was then found inside of a butt. And it was (laughs) the most joyful song that's ever existed. And I do believe that the Grammys missed. They missed a gem and they didn't know it was out there. I hope it gets uploaded to YouTube soon. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I cannot wait. Oh, we're going to be SoundCloud famous. It's, this it. kid's got Billie Eilish potential in the comedy songwriting world. Amazing. So good. So today we have a really interesting topic because I think speaking about the Grammys, it feels like Hollywood cannot stop talking about the slap. I mean, SNL, the Grammys, I feel like there were at least five or six speeches in the Grammys that were you know, specifically referring to the slap. Including Questlove, who's having the best and worst week of his life, I suppose. I think Questlove should actually get the final say. Like, I felt like that was the moment I said, we're done. Like, he gets the final say and, like, let's move on. But I did, I really appreciated Gerard Carmichael's monologue. Yes, it was so good. Because he didn't even have to say it. He literally was like, aren't we done talking about it? We all (laughs) knew. And, like, it's just amazing how, like, something that happened a week ago has just, like, 
infiltrated our brains to the point where someone just says, aren't we done talking about it? We're like, yes, we know exactly what you mean. The first time that I can like confidently say like, we are one as a country is this specific incident. It's we're all in a single stream of consciousness about this damn slap. And I think that the interesting thing specifically about the Grammys too, is there's all these award show circuits. So we're going to continue to get these, (laughs) these takes. Um, Did y'all watch it? Like, what was your vibe about the Grammys? Oh, of course. I mean, I will say what the slap also did was now I'm going to be tuned into every award show here on out <laughs> yeah. because I just need to see if anything happens. Yeah. And I love that the Grammy saw the con- how controversial the Oscars was and were like, you know what? We're going to give an award to Louis C.K. That's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, uh. Talk about us. We're going to create the most intense discourse regarding a comedian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. And it's sort of the continued vibe of like what's the most violent thing that's ever been done at an Oscars or at a, an award show. And it's like, well, maybe giving yeah. the award to a bunch of bad dudes. Something else that is really interesting is it feels like the focus is so on the Will Smith and Chris Rock altercation that but I feel like Jada has gotten kind of like a lot of love and a lot of of an outpour and that kind of her narrative has sort of been lost in the mix a bit. So this kind of brings us to our topic of the day, which is kind of essentially based on a few stories that are kind of running around of kind of apologizing to celebs that we didn't really know were suffering because I didn't realize that Jada had alopecia. It's just, I don't know if they've talked about it ad nauseum and I just wasn't aware of it. But did you guys know that she had like an autoimmune disease, that that was something that she was struggling with? No. And uh, honestly, at this point, to quote SNL on the weekend update where uh, Michael Che was like, I know like Will Smith and, and Jada shared so much about their personal life, but you cannot expect us to retain all of it. So even though I know so much about them, I feel like I did not remember that part. And now, I mean, I mean, obviously, we all know. And, yeah. you know, like you said, yes, like there are some people like being like nice and positive and, 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 and all of that. And then there's the other side of it where people are just like doubling down on it and just like calling her all like kind of names and being like, this is not an actual disease. And it's just like, what are you even saying? Sometimes it's okay to just not comment, I think. I definitely agree. I I know like people like Ayanna Presley and other people who suffer from alopecia have definitely kind of come to her defense. And I guess like, what is it about us that makes us feel like we're entitled to kind of talk about people's bodies or talk about Jada's, you know, head? There's something about it that I definitely understand in terms of, um, you know, they're celebrities and they're sort of set in the public light. But does that kind of give us a right to comment? It's an interesting question, I guess. It doesn't give us right, but it's like we, we've we just turned this celebrity culture into like, we own you, right? Like yeah. we pay for your movies, we pay for your music, and somehow yeah. we have turned that into, and because of that, we're allowed to say and do, you know, however we please, whenever we please, you know? And, you know, they make the comparisons about like, you know, LeBron James, we constantly talk about his hairline, his receding hairline. And do we get away with it because he also sort of makes fun and he is like in on the jokes as well i don't know or if it's just because he's put up with it because he knows that's what happens yeah 
Well, Will, Will Smith said something about like it coming with the territory, kind of like the, it seems like they kind of accept it as part of the job in some way. I mean, yes, it it does come with the territory, but the thing is, and I know this is like a hard thing to change because it's a big cultural thing, and yeah. it's just uh, so many people are doing it. It shouldn't come with the territory. It's just like one of those things like we normalize to a point where we expect it and we're like, well, this is what happens when you're famous. And literally some people who are like would say something extremely hurtful online and then you're like, why are you mad? Like this is what being famous is like. No, it's not. Like there are so many things that you could say about famous people and celebrities that have nothing to do with the way they uh, look or like how they age or like if they lose weight or gain weight or any of that, there's so much that they do that it is so cringe and bad that you can comment on. But they're like, no, no, no. I'm going to comment on this one thing that also they have in common with just like, you know, people who are not celebrities. That someone like, you know, someone who's not, you know, in the public, I will see it and feel like it's hurtful to them because they can relate to it. Yeah, I totally think you're right. Of The idea that we've like normalized saying these negative things about real people, it's... Because they are in some ways avatars to us, you know, I think the distance between us and the internet plus the distance between their real lives, I think people feel ownership for sure. But how do you even go about changing something like that? I grew up on gossip magazines mm. and gossip rags. And so my 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 view of it is skewed because like that is how I've known how we've always yeah, talked too. about celebrities. Yeah. And obviously now... As I've even allowed myself, I mean, I'm nowhere near a celebrity, but as I've allowed myself to become more of a public figure online and just like how I'm like, oh, God, that's awful. I obviously have way more empathy because I can't even imagine what this feels like on a scale times 100. Yeah. And when it comes to comedy, it's like I love comedy and I've always been a person that says gloves are off on the comedy stage and like you know when i go to see underground shows like i believe in not recording and people saying what they want but i do think there's also a way to make people laugh that doesn't hurt people like i don't know how we change that i mean there are so, so many things that people take as a as a given like or celeb culture like and I mean, like, I can I can only talk about stand-up comedy where, where I feel like one thing has been normalized by comedy fans is that they can say anything to you and because you're a comedian and can take a joke. And I mean, you know, like, I'm not that famous or, like, out there, but, like, the people who watch comedy, like, who know me, sometimes they would, like, someone would make a comment or something, and I'm like, well, I don't like this. And they're like, oh, you're so sensitive. Like, I can't believe a comedian can't take a joke. And I'm like, I did not sign up for this. For you to be rude to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Also, yeah. this is not a joke. Like, also, I do the jokes. You're not the comic. You're not doing the <laughs> jokes. Also, this is not a joke. This is just something hurtful that you're saying to me. Yeah. I am supposed to accept it. <laughs> no. And it's also like something like usually very fucked up. And I'm like, this is not a Like, I don't know who told you this is okay. Because I feel like a lot of people like watch roasts and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, that's why I never do roasts. Because I don't want to be made fun of. It's so simple. Especially for stuff that like you can't help that you're like being affected by or that you're suffering through. And I think it's really hard because we've entered this territory of like when it's okay to make fun of people. And uh, I, I do think that we have a very like... <laughs> 
sometimes we have a heavy hand as a society, like especially if you're talking about like, you know, making fun of Billie Eilish because she has Tourette's or making fun of Amanda Bynes, Lindsay Lohan, like Britney Spears, these people who are genuinely dealing with like mental health issues. Like, is it helpful? Is it really funny? Like, I I wonder, I think it maybe is like a joke case by case basis situation. It's definitely case by case. Yeah. I mean, like something like, I don't know, like the beginning of the pandemic when all of these celebs got together and made that Imagine video. Right. I make fun of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's yeah, yeah. cringe and weird, you know, and it's an action, not a not a based on a look or like uh, any other traits. I'm like, yeah, this is cringe. Or that lady, I can't remember her name, who came on not too long ago and was like, Putin, if I was your mother and the whole like poem. <laughs> Oh, Anna Lynn McCord. That was crazy. Oh, yeah. And has nothing yeah. to do with the way she looks or who she is or anything. Yeah. You know, just like more like a of an action that you did. And that's what I'm saying. Celebs do so much cringe stuff that you can talk about that has nothing to do with your looks. And I remember Jonah Hill, like uh, not too long ago, like had this post on his Instagram when he when he said, like, I know you mean well, but kindly I asked you not to comment on my body, good or bad. I want to politely let you know it's not helpful and doesn't feel good much respect and yeah. i'm like yeah it's just like even if it's positive sometimes it just feels like can you can we stop talking about it it's so weird yeah it's like when people say things like oh you look like you've lost weight it, all, all i think is like so i was fatter the last time <laughs> and like you like thank you for the compliment but also like i don't you don't need to talk about it <laughs> yeah it's sort of an intimacy thing it's like you i don't know you like that And again, I think it's like you see the picture of this person and you don't necessarily remember that they're like, you know, have like a person that they go home to and like a real life and are reading this stuff. And I think that's why I'm compelled by today's topic of like, what celebs do we feel maybe we need to apologize to because we talked a lot of shit or we as collectively as a community made fun or maybe asked questions that really were just not a lot of our business. And this is really, I think, popping up just because of you know, Bruce Willis's diagnosis. And so he was diagnosed with aphasia. And essentially, his family announced that he's going to be retiring due to this, you know, particular thing he's going through, which clearly, you know, as we looked through the articles and read a little bit more about his cognitive ability, I guess, even since 2021, it seems like There's a lot of things about these celebrities that we just don't know, and we see them at face value, what they put out in their movies, and we don't actually comprehend the very large like story of what's going on behind the scenes. And so did you – because I did notice that Bruce had been making just this very big string of like extremely B-movies that were kind of going straight to streaming. I didn't know what was happening and I was like, I guess this is just like what he can kind of get. Like, I I don't think I had a full idea of what was going on. But I was just thinking like, oh, his career is not at its peak. You know what I mean? Like, it's past. Yeah. At least that was my impression. Like, did you have impressions of Bruce Willis in the last year? What what had you been thinking? I mean, yeah. I mean, I figured the same. I was just like, he's at a point where he just like wants to make easy money. Right, right. Uh, and those movies are easy money. You know, there's like no pressure there. It's uh, very low stakes. I know that before, like, knowing about the diagnosis and stuff, you know, like, he can get any role, like, he wants and, like, can still do it really well. Yeah. But that was really it. I didn't really think much about it because I feel like there's so much content out there. I'm like, well, if this is what he's making, I'll just watch something else. 
but I feel like some people got really fixated on it. My friend Ellen told me about this article last year that came out in Vulture. It's mm-hmm. called um, The King of the Geezer Teasers. And it was this article about Randall Emmett, who most people know as the boyfriend of Lala from Vanderpump Rules. Mm. And he has this production company, like EFO Productions. And that's like the production company that was doing a lot of these geezer teasers, these aging action stars. And it was really talking about Mm. the uh, finances behind like how they were. The reason they were called geezer teasers is because they would find these like Steven Seagal's and Bruce Willis's. They would put them in the film for maybe six or seven minutes, but then really like kind of carry the movie out, you know, and they would film these in like two weeks. They were really quick, but they were they would turn a profit. Yeah. So this article came out, read it a year ago, didn't think anything of it. In between that article coming out and this announcement, Hollywood Small, there were, I had heard there were rumors from people about Bruce Willis having this diagnosis. Um, And I was like, oh, so when this announcement came back, I kind of went back to this thinking about this article and read it with a kind of a new light, right? Because I was thinking, wow, I wonder if Randall maybe was really good friends with Bruce. Maybe did he know you know, about his declining condition and wanted to make sure that he had some good money going into his older age, you know, because there was also articles coming out about how, you know, over the last several years, Bruce has like unloaded like $65 million in properties, you know, because he knew he wasn't going to be working. And so I don't know if that's the case, but it did make me kind of look at Randall, who has gotten a lot of like crap in the last, you know, Mm -hmm. he cheated on Lala and all this stuff. Maybe in a different light, I was like, maybe if Randall knew his diagnosis, maybe he was trying to help his friend. I don't know. This is just a theory I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Hi, I'm June Diane Raphael. And I'm Jessica St. Clair. And each week we are sitting down to talk all about life's twists, turns, and absurdities on The Deep Dive. From exploring the depths of TikTok, which is our only news source, to navigating the complexities of grief and loss, we are just two best friends behind a mic processing life together. This podcast is all about finding the silver linings in the madness. So get ready for unfiltered conversations about motherhood, careers, pop culture, and everything in between. Here at The Deep Dive, we're all about community. We believe in the power of sharing experiences and the strength that comes from supporting one another. And we would love to have you with us. So be sure to join us every Wednesday on The Deep Dive from Lemonada Media, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. After season one aired, I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few, and of course, my 90-year-old mom, Judy. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Mm 
as I was looking back, I started looking up just interviews with Bruce Willis, thinking like, oh, maybe I'll find something about what he thinks about his career or what his sort of vibe has been. And it definitely seems like GQ interviewed him in 2013 and basically asked him to complete the sentence, if I live long enough, I. And his response is sort of like muddled in the sense, but he ended up sort of like talking about his retirement, like what he wanted his retirement to look like. And I felt like it was such an interesting dichotomy because essentially what he says is that he knows he has to stop doing it at some point, but that he, his quote is sort of like, I'd really like to think that I would have some control over it and that I would get to choose. He said that at that point, he's like, nobody wants to hear like the hard news. And he said something like, but we're all dying on some level. And he said he was going to, quote, keep the machine moving forward as much as possible and not have to think about the eventuality of becoming more frail and less able to do the work. And I wonder, like, we make so many predictions about ourselves in the future, you know, and some of the things that are in this particular interview, I think, yes, it's very difficult to go through like a retirement or a a forced thing where you don't want something to end and it has to end. And I just feel like it's a hard ending. This whole thing we saw with Robin Williams, with people who have these sort of diseases where like their brain and the way that they can be effective in their career sort of leaves them at a relatively early age. It made me think a lot about what that particular disease does to somebody who is like an actor and who's in the public eye. And I just, I had no idea that there was any suffering um, from Bruce Willis. Yeah. And I mean, we remember we recently just had that with like, also like Chadwick Boseman as well. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, people were like commenting about like the way he looks and how skinny he was and, and all of that stuff. And I mean, he knew, but he was still just had obviously like Black Panther and then like other performances that were just like incredible but he still like had his diagnosis and everything but people had no idea literally until the day he died people had no idea that he was he was sick so I don't know if the general public sometimes have an understanding that like those celebs can get sick as well and they're just like you know people it's so weird I don't know like I feel like people just like you know will not stop making comments about like you know whether they're how their performances in movies are like how they look and, and, and all of that stuff and it's just like I don't know, man. Maybe maybe just give it a rest. There's so many other things that you can talk about. And we have to remember, like, A, when you're going through a sickness, obviously you want to believe everything's going to be okay. You're going to go into remission or whatever it is. You know, you're yes. going to be healthy again. So you don't want to put maybe bad energy into the universe, but also you don't want to put it out there because... Hollywood is also going to start being like, oh, well, we were considering you for this role, but now maybe we can't. Or, you know, I don't know Mm -hmm. how insurance works, you know, depending on, you know, like you have to, you know, get people insured. You don't want to have opportunities taken away because of this diagnosis. So then you don't share it with the world. And so it's hard because you want the support of people. You don't want them talking shit about you. But then you're also like, "I I don't know you. It's none of your business. Because I know specifically with Bruce, like people are kind of coming out now and apologizing like the Razzies like rescinded his worst performance award following the revelation. And 
you know, they they sort of extended some apologies also to like Shelley Duvall because of essentially like the she was in Stanley Kubrick's uh, The Shining. And Mm -hmm. so it seems like the Razzies are in some way like (laughs) they're like, oh, we also didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And actually highlighting something negative or like somebody's worst performance without any context maybe you know leaves us in a situation where we made comments or we said something about somebody when we didn't know the whole story basically she talked about the like crazy experience she had on the set with Stanley Kubrick i think that she said it was like 56 or 57 weeks of filming six days a week, 16 hour days, there would never be a take that was less than 35 takes. Like the scene on the stair, I think they said it was 127 times they did that scene, you know? And so it was like, she just, you know, she was having to be like crying every day and emotional breakdowns. I mean, that's a very heavy film and a heavy, you know, um, so in that instance, it was like, you know, they also felt like, okay, knowing what we know now, this isn't like fair treatment. Um, you know, and this article came after, I guess, a 2016 Dr. Phil appearance that Shelley Duvall did, you know, she mm. sort of left Hollywood in the late nineties and, you know, nobody knew where she was. And somehow Dr. Phil's team found her in Texas and they do this whole, uh, interview with her where she's clearly suffering. She starts sort of rambling on saying things, you know, about Robin Williams and how he had, you know, not really passed away, but he had now shapeshifted. Oh, wow. And, you know, she was making all of these just really sort of, and, it, and and everybody was disgusted. They were like disgusted by Dr. Phil. You've taken advantage of this woman. You know, she's clearly um, in need of help. And so, you know, this is why this, you know, interview of this article tracked her down to really, you know, find out what was going on. But yeah, I think that, you know, she sort of just was over Hollywood and, you know, all of the things she had sort of dealt with. We didn't really even know, because especially back then, back in the 80s and 90s, none of those things came to light. I think it's good that the Razzies can go back and say like, oh, we see the context this wasn't a merited thing. Let's get it the hell out of Absolutely. here. Like, I like that. I think I, maybe I like the Razzies. Like, put an asterisk on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And and and, and one day, we 100% should do a, a deep dive on all of the things that Dr. Phil should apologize oh for. Oh, my God. What a I, fucking yes. horrible man. The worst Oh, my man God. Alive. This number one is introducing us to Cash Me Outside, girl. Like, oh, she will never. She, she didn't oh. need that. He made her life worse. If you want someone to give like worst performance to, you can always ask me, and the answer will always be Jared Leto. It's always gonna be that, baby. If you, I don't know if anyone has watched House of Gucci. No, but I know no one's watched Morbius. I know that for a fact. Okay, House of Gucci. First of all, I'm. I'm, It will never, will never stop being funny to me when people who are supposedly Italian and are fluent in Italian, do the whole movie in English, but in an Italian accent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's completely funny. You're right. Why? Yeah, Why well. are they not talking to each other in Italian? But whatever, <laughs> I get it. The people don't want to read the subtitles, whatever. 
Lady Gaga was good in it. Like, you know, Adam Driver as well. You know, like, like the accent was weird, but whatever. But Jared Leto's accent. It was a love letter to, uh, I guess, the Super Mario Brothers or whatever. I was like, what is happening here? Like, he was speaking Italian the way people make fun of Italians when right. they speak in English. He was being offensive, essentially. It's, it was. It, okay. and, he, and that was a choice he made. He said, this is an artistic choice. <laughs> <laughs> and he already looked like a clown in that movie. Oh, no. Yeah, he was like, why you do this to me? I am your cousin. <laughs> And I'm like, bro, what are you doing? The amount of like Jared Leto slander TikToks I've seen recently. I mean, I, I'm I'm sort of just waiting. I feel like this guy has it coming soon. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but is he is this a situation where it's like he's like Nickelback, which is like a perfectly acceptable piece of art that somehow it becomes like fun to make fun of and also this whole episode about is about us not making fun of people and (laughs) and it's so hard not to and that is the thing we can't lose right it's like we have to still like keep this humor right the razzies i didn't realize the razzies had even been around as long as they had until they were saying they wanted to take back the shelly duvall you know that sort of thing you know, the Razzies obviously needs to still exist. I think the problem they got into this particular year is because they literally created an entire category called Worst Performance by Bruce Willis in a 2021 movie and then listed all eight movies he was in. So that mm. that was really why, you know, maybe if it had just been like one thing, yeah. you know, one movie where he was worst actor, they probably could have just like rolled with it. But obviously all eight movies, which again, when I look at this list, were probably movies part of this geezer teaser. Yeah. Which again yeah. could have been to help him who knows. So yeah, they kind of have to take that away. Because yeah. it's just it's not fair. Also, um I saw that Kevin Smith apologized for like having made petty comments about Willis just basically on like some movie he was on with him called Cop Out in 2011. And I said, you know what, Kevin Smith, if you don't like somebody, don't like them. Yeah. If you just don't like Bruce Willis, just because now he has aphasia doesn't mean you have to come back from the woodworks and be like, oh, he was a nice man. If you don't like a person, don't go to their funeral and say nice things about them. Just hate them. Keep hating them. That's the best thing you can do for yourself. Also, yeah, the comments were literally like, first of all, it's uh, like about like 2011 movie. Yeah. And the thing is, like, it wasn't really about, like, his performance or anything. It was about, like, how he acted, like, off camera. Right. And, <laughs> and I mean, like, I feel like with more interviews and, like, you know, with actors and stuff like that, and, like, you start, like, to learn about their process, some of them are, like, insufferable. Oh, this is another person that just came out, an article. There was a lot of people talking about Wesley Snipes at the Oscars because he was honoring the 30th anniversary of White Men Can't Jump uh, with Woody mm-hmm. Harrelson. And the, I guess it just seems like there's a lot of people sort of like talking about how thin he is. And it's that same thing of like now it comes with like a I hope he's OK, because it seems like we kind of learned a bit of a lesson with Chadwick where like. We yeah. we see this kind of being mirrored again. And so while people are still talking about it, it seems like people are expressing worry, which at still at the same time, it's like, shut the hell up about it. Like, it's what? just I'm saying it's not worry. It's just your way of asking in a roundabout way, which is just like kind of also like you're yeah. you're wanting to know, like, is it okay for me to make fun of them or are they sick? Like you're like you <laughs> yeah. just want confirmation. Exactly. I wonder I wonder if you as a human being would go up to a very thin person and just be like, 
do you have cancer? <laughs> just exactly. As a, no. Just as a normal question that you would ask a stranger. I just know. a quick like, are you currently suffering from some stage of cancer? And expecting the other person to be like, yeah. But I'm okay. Thank you for asking. Like, that's not how real life functions. I know. It's so fucking strange. Yeah. It's so weird. And also, Wesley Snipes is like, he's got to be in his 60s by now. It's like, he's aging. He's Hollywood. I I don't think it's uncommon for men and women who are aging to start getting a little bit thinner and like, you know, like trying to like retain their youth in other ways of diet and exercise. Like people do not believe in aging at all. They're like, they cannot be like, maybe this person is 75 years old and that's why. Maybe. They're like, what's wrong? I don't know. Uh, linear time? I'm not sure what to tell you here. Yeah. I was born, yeah, in 1941. I don't, like, I don't know what to tell you, sir. <laughs> Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're panic sweating and laughing at the same time? Don't, don't worry, don't worry. We all get that. It's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we want to talk about it. Join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now wherever you get your podcasts. People love to pretend that there are simple formulas for living your best life now. Eat this and you won't get sick. Manifest it and everything will work out. But there are some things you can choose and some things you can't. And it's okay that life isn't always getting better. I'm Kate Bowler, and on Everything Happens, I speak with kind, smart, funny people about life as it really is. Beautiful, terrible, and everything in between. Let's be human together. Everything Happens is available wherever you get your podcasts. This is something also is I want to call myself out talking about the who's going to be canceled in 2022 because I said Wendy Williams that was my guess. And now, like, I sort of was like, Wendy is crazy. She's, you know, she says crazy things. And now, you know, as we know, she's been MIA from her show for many months, and she's gonna be replaced essentially by the Sherry Shepard show. But it seems like at least there's rumors or articles out that basically are are stating that it's more to do with her Graves disease and poor mental health issues. Well, she called in first, I think, to Good Morning America, yes. and then she also okay. did an IG post. Okay. Um, and the call in to Good Morning America, she didn't. She didn't go on camera. She just did it through a phone call. Yeah. But you know, she was very clear that you know Wells Fargo had basically prevented her from accessing her cash and requesting a conservatorship because they felt like. Someone was, or people, she'd been taking advantage of in a way that, you know, she, she, you know, she needed a conservatorship and she was just like, absolutely not. So she was fighting that. And that was really what she reiterated on her IG post. But she, you know, she was on camera that time. Again, like, I don't know her situation, but, you know, she seemed completely with it. She was, you know, coherent, all of those things. 
Yeah, which is, again, one of those things is like because we don't know the backstory, making any kind of assumption that she both needs conservatorship or that she actually does not need conservatorship. That is just not our call to make. It's not like something that we get to have this huge opinion on just based on the fact that we know, you know, two articles or just very little information about it. And so I will all slap myself on the wrist for honestly, like, I mean, she has some crazy stuff, but ultimately it's, I think, a part of the lore of Wendy and why people love her. So I wonder again if she's okay and hopefully she'll get an opportunity to like come back to her show if that's something that she wants. But I see Kiki, you're like, it's more like, I mean, again, like I, you know, I don't think just like with the Kevin Smith thing, it's like, don't necessarily need to go back to apologize for all the things in history because sometimes people (laughs) did exist at a certain point in time and everything that was valid still stands to this day, regardless of what happened to them now. Right. You know? And and I think it's like being able to look back with like a more kind of compassionate lens as to like why you have mm-hmm. this feeling that you're allowed to like comment on people's mental health, on their bodies, on again, things that they cannot change or control about themselves. And there's also, again, the conservatorship piece because it's Amanda Bynes, it's Wendy mm-hmm. Williams, it's Britney Spears. I feel like we've definitely talked so much and at length about these people's mental health. Yeah. I feel like the way we've treated them has been pretty heinous. But it's almost like the the media is like a wave they get caught up in. It's not a individual talking shit. It's like all of us at the same time commenting, which has got to be hard. Yeah. It is. And I think the conservatorship, it's like, it's such a touchy subject. And obviously the Britney Spears really highlighted like how someone can be completely taken advantage of. And, you know, my fear is like, we also need to understand that these people like Britney Spears was obviously horribly abused under this conservatorship, but Britney Spears also probably still does need some sort of assistance because she's someone who in a very young age got into this industry didn't do traditional schooling and then was thrown into conservatorship that has to fuck with your head in some way. And so like, even though she's out of this conservatorship, you know, you still hope that there's people around her that still want to help her. It's not just like a, you're free, like do whatever you want. I still hope that like she has good people around her. Um, And like, you know, same with like Amanda and Wendy. It's like, no, no one needs to be, you know, if you are sound mind, control your own money, but also recognize that you may have trauma. You may actually have Absolutely. still have mental illness yeah. that you need to handle. This is uncouth and I'm going for it, but I feel like I need to be put in a conservatorship for shopping and for money. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, <laughs> somebody slapped the credit card out of my freaking hand. You guys like I make the worst financial decisions at time. And I mean, if you didn't know me, you might think I was insane. So there's, you know. Is it is this particular kind of shopping or is it just any kind? Like, is it just Instagram's got me pegged down with their little Q-tips opening my eyes to look at these. Like, I swear to God, they just have cracked me. They've got my algorithm. They know me so well. They know the kind of fashion that a that a fat Latino woman in Chicago is looking for, and they just feed it to me. So if anything, I need to be held back. But yeah, I mean, just in terms of like unbalanced behavior, we all have it. 
we're all like crazy yeah. and fucked up in some specific way. And I would hope that the people around me or the people that know me like have some grace and say nice things about me anyways, you know, because they care about me. I mean, the big message here is if I ever become that famous, everyone should be extremely nice to me. <laughs> I think that's that's yeah. where we should arrive on. That's the conclusion. Mahana Dilshegi, be nice to me. Be nice uh, to me. Yeah, that's my middle name. Please, everyone be nice to me and kind, yeah. no matter what I do. It's, it's very simple. I love that. I want that yeah. same. I want that writer. I want that contract. Exactly, exactly. Everyone just be nice to me and just uh, either say something nice or just absolutely uh, ignore everything else. <laughs> uh, okay, well, now it's time for my favorite segment, Sorry Not Sorry, where we either get to uh, ask for an apology from someone or a group of people or we offer an apology. And as always, I'm going to start with Oha. What's what's up this week? Yeah, I would like an apology from everyone in the entire world that isn't Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner, the Daniels, um, who created the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Okay. Because you didn't make that movie. And so you should apologize to me for not having written, created, and directed that movie. It's my new favorite movie. It's my number one top movie of my whole life. It's so great. And I hope it just blows up and everybody gets to see it because it's just so good so that's who i want an apology from yeah it's an excellent movie i literally was speechless for almost two hours after i left the movie first of all because it was exhausting in a good way but yeah i just am like uh, i'm an evelyn fan i'm a fan of this movie it made me want to make movies more so that's where i'm at so i gotta go to the theater to see it yes yeah Mm -hmm. it's being premiered in uh in los angeles which is crazy because the movie is not uh, everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, just the name. <sighs> okay, well, hopefully they'll reach out with an apology soon. Yeah, just everyone <laughs> out there. Abs- 100%. Thank you for uh, this from opportunity. Every, from every, from every <laughs> timeline, every universe, they should right. apologize, which a reference you'll get once you watch the movie. That's right. Okay, Kiki, wh- who's, what's happening? You know, I'm going to apologize to um, my arms and my legs because I thought by now I would have way more tattoos than I do. Okay. But I think the lockdown, the pandemic really like stopped that, right? Because tattoo artists couldn't work for, you know, quite a bit. And then on the other end of it, recession comes and then you're like, do I want to buy gas or do I want to pay for (laughs) tattoos? And, you know, the answer, unfortunately, is usually buy gas. And, you know, when you start getting tattoos, you do like if you're like me, like I think most people who love tattoos, you get addicted. And so you just like you get addicted to the feeling of it and just like everything about it. And especially when it starts to be, you know, summer coming and you want to like have more skin. You just look at yourself and you're like, I want to have sleeves or I want to have something on my legs so that when I'm wearing shorts and um, yeah, I'm doing the opposite of what people I think come to LA and they start removing tattoos to get rolls. I like want to like fill my body out more. So I apologize. I haven't been able to do that. I hope that um, I can resume that soon. I did get one small tattoo. You know, I got my bagel tattoo. Right, right. Oh, bagel yeah. Friday. Famously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was like a nice toe dip back yeah. into the pond. And, and then, of course, now I want more. Well, you don't know it yet, but bagels are a huge part of 
everything everywhere all at once. So thematically, I really feel like this movie is kind of like for you. So just think about that. Yeah. That's all I needed to know. Yeah, it is the most important part. I would say it's uh, everything. It's everything. Yeah. (laughs) There's no other word to describe it, Kiki. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah, love to make jokes that I'm sure only people who watch the movie will get it because that's <laughs> so that's my sorry. brand now. Yeah, just the very specific references. Yeah, we're essentially uh, a small forum just between us right now. Absolutely. Well, for me, uh, I'm I'm gonna demand an apology from a whole population of a, a whole state. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, and I'll get to that, but. Two years ago or so, I tweeted one of my most controversial tweets ever, even though I did not know that was going to be the case, where I said that I am very tired of pretending, and I know it's not PC to say this, but I do not think that the state of Delaware actually exists. Mm-hmm. And I held that belief like mm-hmm. really like close to my heart. I was like, <laughs> that place does not exist. I feel like we as a country, like I'm so tired of just pretending that it's there, that there are people who live there. It makes no sense. I've never been there. So what's what's the proof? And the amount of people who got upset at that tweet... Really? ...is insane. Truly insane amount of people. A lot of people would reply to me and say... Uh, like, would reply with a picture of the... Like, a map of the U.S., and would point at Delaware. And I'm like, well, first of all, obviously, this is, has been photoshopped. This does not look like my <laughs> my map. Uh, you've added this. And then some people were like, well, Joe Biden is from there. And I'm like, well, literally, like, one of the most powerful men in the world cannot create a state that he's from. Like, you literally just <laughs> making it sound like that it is it's not a, a real place. Anyway, people got upset, whatever. And then a few days ago, I had a gig in Delaware uh, <gasps> to to go and wow. perform there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went to I went to Delaware and I performed there. And I w- went to uh, I think it's called Wilmington or something. And I need an apology from everyone who replied to that tweet because this just solidified my belief that Delaware does not exist. Mm. <laughs> Why? Yeah, there is not a single place there. Like, I cannot... If you're like, what did you see there? I'm like, I have no idea. It was just an intersection of streets just put together. And then the theater was there. But every place we tried to go into, like a coffee shop, whatever. Mind you, this was 5 p.m. Everything was closed. (laughs) Nothing was open. So, like, like, North Korea style, they created this for you to arrive... Exactly. But without a a real real people living there, essentially. It was like a very low stake, like the Truman Show. Like, what's, (laughs) you know, what are you doing here? This is like the good place, but like 100% the bad place. And I was like, why are you closed at 5 p.m.? Like, what's what's happening here? I can't believe that people actually, there are people who live there and pretend that this is an actual state. Yeah. I mean, I will say up until 2021, I really did say Delaware was really only created for llc's it was like for llc creations and like you know so you could have a tax haven of some sort but then mayor of east town premiered Mm -hmm. yes and we got the infamous delco accent (laughs) and i feel like delaware sort of redeemed itself no (laughs) 
Absolutely not. Uh, do not, not to me. Are you sincerely telling me that Kate Winslet's accent in Town redeemed anything at all? That, that famously, that accent famously unredeemable. I yeah, I did not. I was like, what's happening here? Like, what's what's going on? What what are we going for here? I have no knowledge of Delaware. Like, literally didn't even know that that's where Biden was from. I've never experienced that state in any single way at all. And you should not. The best thing, it was the worst, but the best thing, because to this day, my friends and I still say it to each other, because my friend, um, her family had a beach house in Rehoboth. And so we Mm. would go to this beach house, you know, every so often, and, uh, one summer we went up and we stopped at the Home Depot to get the materials to make a beer funnel, as one does. <laughs> and so we're standing in the checkout line with our funnel and our tubing. And this old guy behind us sees the four of us and he looks at us and he goes, pretty girls, what a waste. <laughs> what? <laughs> And to this day, pretty much any time one of us is doing something ridiculous, we just look at one another and just say, pretty girl, what a waste. I think you found your new tattoo. I think that's... 100%. Yeah. I think maybe you're like obligated to get that tattooed. Okay. Okay. On the list. I'm Sorry is a Lemonada Media original. This episode was produced by Jorge Olivares. Our executive producers are Stephanie Whittles-Wax and Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Our mix is by Kat Yor, and theme music was composed by Xander Singh. If you like this show, please rate and review. And please don't cancel us. You can find out more about our show at Lemonada Media on all social platforms or follow us on Instagram at I'm Sorry underscore podcast. We'll be back next week, and until then... Be nice, play fair, and always say I'm sorry. Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittles-Wax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts. Do you ever get hit with a cringy memory of your 13-year-old self out of nowhere and suddenly you're, you're panic sweating, you're laughing and maybe a little, little bit of tears are coming all at once? Don't worry. We all do. That's because being an adolescent is one of the most visceral shared experiences we have as people. And we, we want to talk about it. So join me, Penn Badgley, and my two friends, Nava and Sophie, on Podcrushed as we interview celebrity guests about the joys and horrors of being a teenager and how those moments made them who they are today. New episodes of Podcrushed are out now. You can listen ad-free on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts.